The scripture reading this morning is Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So, in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. I'm April Gutierrez, and I'm delighted to um, reflect a little bit and invite us into dwelling a little bit more as we conclude this sermon series on Romans. So will you pray with me? Loving Creator, we thank you for the gift and opportunity to truly dwell with you as living sacrifice. May we always know our worthiness and love and relationship with you and each other. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So how 
do we spend 15, 20 minutes with something that starts with inviting us into being a living sacrifice and concludes us to not dwell with evil and respond to evil with goodness. For we live in this world where we all are intimately woven with evil and are invited to be sacrificed and be responding with goodness. So I, I thought about this in reflection and in prayer, and it brought me to, to three specific points. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? And I think if we walk away understanding that this is a question that we will answer with our lives, complete, our complete lives, and it will change and transform us, that, that would be wonderful to just know that I don't have the answer exactly, but that this is what we are called to answer with our lives. And second, that we'll reflect a little bit on how do we prepare ourselves as sacrifice? What does that mean? And then finally, how is God calling us to love and action and to be that response? I believe all, all of these things are deeply woven, but to unpack it a little bit, I'm going to go through those three. For the people hearing this text at the time, when they heard something being called to sacrifice, immediately minds turned to purity and thinking about the sacrifice must be pure. And I think for many of us, we have spent time thinking about purity, or more likely, our impurity. And that dwelling with shame, or not being enough. But if God is calling us, and specifically Jesus is calling us, to be living sacrifice, God knows our purity. And God knows that we are sufficient and that we are acceptable as offering. As we began this sermon series, Preston invited us to reflect on this preparation by being, reflecting on our image of God. And I thought that is so brilliant and so helpful for us because we are made in the image of God. And when we start to name and identify that imagery for God, we come to know what we aspire for our own wholeness, that we wish we had for our own wholeness. And so I am not calling us to, to, to think about ourselves as God, but rather understanding that that relationship with God and the things we admire so deeply in our image of God is what God is inviting us into to become fully human. And so when we think about being this embodied, living sacrifice for God, I think it ultimately is asking us to walk with the question with our lives, what does our faith teach us about the mystery of being human. So often we think about Jesus 
and talk about Jesus being fully divine. And we dwell there because that allows us to separate ourselves from potentially living into the beauty and gift and wholeness that Jesus walked with his life. And so I invite us to think about and turn to someone What does our faith teach us about the mystery of being human? So if you can just take a moment to think, what's one teaching that your faith has provided you that names something about your humanness and offer that to each other? So can we call out two or three of those teachings about being fully human? What are we learning about being fully human by our faith? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Value. Value. Patience. Awesome. For when we reflect on being created in the image of God, I think it's helpful to reflect, unpacking it as knowing that we are a gift from God. We come from somewhere. We are rooted in something. That we have responsibility to care for the earth and all that is here and each other. That we are deeply relational beings. And that this responsibility is bound by a command and relationship with God. Romans 12, 2 tells us, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is not us having a window into what is right and wrong. And I think for some of us, that has been the experience that we've been offered. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. Do what you're supposed to. Goodness. Falling into these things, bad, really bad, right? But how does Jesus walk with us? How does Jesus relate? Good, bad, right, wrong? Or does God invite us through Jesus into being fully human by saying wholeness, authenticity, just like Greg was saying? That is what it means to be pure. That is what it means to be fully human. That is what it means to be the image of Christ for each other. I think if we go through the scriptures and we look at Romans as a whole, there are a lot of ideas, not specifics, of what is right in your specific life. It doesn't give you exact examples of your life and say, that's the way, do it exactly like this. But rather it says, come along, be part of this community, and we can discern together. And so that's what I want to spend most of our time to talking about. And that's why I think it's so important for us to talk with each other. Because I think the only way we can do this is in community. Yes, our salvation is deeply personal because we have this relationship with Jesus. But if you've spent any time in UVC, you can't sit by yourself. And I am grateful. 
I am grateful because I need you, and I am grateful because we respond to each other's needs. And I think that is mixed up in the salvation of our community as well. Love in action is to know that our story is connected to the past and carries promises into our future. We understand or are invited to understand that our present moment is in light of our past with an eye towards the future because we are in relationship with each other. And that relationship is a gift in a variety of ways. One specifically I think about is when we look at the prodigal son. Here we have two men who both name their story. One who says, I am full of shame. I did everything wrong. I might be able to come back as a slave. I want that community back but I couldn't possibly ask to be truly in. The other says, why does he get everything? I want some. Why is my life full of him getting the glory? And how are they responded to? With profound grace and love. The first, you will always be a part you will always be celebrated with. And the second, you already had everything. Anything you want is yours. I will give it to you. God invites us to be in community so that we can reflect on our story and have others name our story with us. And that retelling and that articulation from our community provides us the grace of God. Because it is only through my husband's eyes that I have known so much about my own goodness that I wished I could do on my own work, but I can't do without that relationship. And I think similarly about my sisters and my small group, that there is knowing about myself that is unfolding because of that relationship that grace is present and God provides us to be in community. It's important for me to name, I think, that I come from a context, a particular context as a Latina, and I think it's important for me to name that because I have been trained with Latino theologians and I have sought out ways to better understand that particular part of my identity because all of my family who raised me is not. They are white. And that has been a grace and a challenge to understand what it means to walk in the world as me. Let me unpack that a little bit further. My first experience going out of the country was to El Salvador. And I had very specific reasons for wanting to go. 
and it had to do with the School of the Americas, and I wanted to understand the Civil War. I was going on a delegation um, with a university, and so this very much was about social justice and action, not about my own identity work. And as soon as I got there, every day, I was met with Spanish presumptions that I would speak with them. You look just like my niece. We love you. And the people of El Salvador laid claim on my life. And I didn't know what to do with that. Because I had a friend who was with me who had studied Spanish and was ready to speak to everyone in Spanish. And she was this bubbly, white, lovely girl who knew she was going to change the world because she knew the language. And I was like grateful that I could sit and maybe hear her talk to other people, but I was not prepared at all for eyes face to face inviting me beyond language to relate. And so we could be something to one another and needed one another in order to make the connections that we had desired and didn't understand. I share that because I think it's essential as we think about what it means to be UVC that we lay claim on each other and that we know one another as kin. And I don't take that lightly because I work in a university setting and I beg my students not to use family language because we call them there to send them out. We are not their family. We are educators. We support them. We have meaningful relationship, but we are not their kin. When they graduate, very few will stay in relationship with me, but you are my kin. You are my family because we are retelling our stories with each other because we have common story with each other in Christ. I also tell you of this context because for Latino theologians, the theological interpretation of our various symbols and narratives are associated with our popular understanding of our religion that it exemplifies how survival is understood and that as a kind of communal preservation, we know liberation and healing. This is how our houses get built. This is how we host our weddings. I could never have afforded to do either without my kin. We walk in the world with preservation, our liberation, woven with each other. We cannot know what it is to own or experience without our people. And I am grateful for that. Because our community serves as the intellectual foundation for the assertion that only a life lived in pursuit of spiritual unity 
can we be both meaningful and the furtherance of salvation? What does that mean? That we create a community, not a crowd. This is not a people who happen to be together, but a community that has an intellectual foundation that we can come to agree and interpret differently than one another, but have these roots and story alike with one another. One of my favorite things to do with my sisters that kind of drives people who aren't one of my sisters, I imagine, um, crazy, is that we take out all these pictures and we retell our stories. But the reason it makes other people crazy is that we tell them in tears and laughter. We don't say words. They're just, oh, and we laugh and we cry at the images. You won't know the story unless you know the picture. That is the community we are called and invited to be. And it's not just for ourselves. I say this, but it's not very helpful for my sisters and I to do this in the midst of others. Because as UVC, we invite people in. We tell them the stories. We want their stories too. We lay claim on each other's lives. So that the salvific character of our historical acts the ways in which our particular historical acts bear the presence of God more fully, this is how the presence is actualized and made effective in each one of us. This is how we overcome evil with good. It is not that we won't know evil, but it is only through community that we can come to know that we will choose good. Amen.